Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Today, uh, we're in a series entitled The Key to Everything. The Key to Everything. So turn in your Bibles to a New Testament book, the book of Mark. The book of Mark, the Bible being once again broken up into two sections. You have the Old Testament, and then we have uh, the New Testament. And Mark uh, is the second book of the New Testament, one of the Gospels. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. Uh, but the key to everything, the key to everything. Now, underneath this, you're going to see unlocking the secret to your success. As I begin to pray for 2016, uh, this whole idea of I want to be successful kept coming back to me. And, and really, I began to pray that. Now, what does that mean? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I wasn't just praying that Ben Brinkman and Canvas Church would be successful, but I've, I've been praying for the community of Canvas Church, that, that they would find success. And, and that might mean a lot of different things to you. Uh, you could immediately begin to think of maybe finances and say, I want to be successful in my, my finances. And so I want to I do some things financially. Uh, you might be looking at your marriage and saying, you know, I want my marriage to get better. How many of you guys want your marriage to get better? Anybody want your marriage to get better? My, my hand's up. Yeah, okay. Some of you don't care about your marriage. All right. Um, I want my marriage. And you say, well, pastor, what's wrong with your marriage? Nothing's wrong with my marriage. I have a phenomenal marriage. I've been married for 18 and a half years. But you know what? If I just say, well, this is it. Are you with me? I want to see my marriage continue to grow and get better. Amen. If you're married, that should be your goal too, right? And so I want, you know, you might think that that would be success, or maybe it's a relationship somewhere, maybe it's starting a business, or, or maybe it's finding that church and getting plugged into a ministry. And, and here's what I personally have found out, that we could do a, a lot of different series and say, here's how you can find success in finances. Here's how you can find success in relationships. But here's what I've learned. There is one key to everything. Because listen to me, that would be exhausting to just continue to rehash and do this. Let me tell you something. Our success does not come through something we achieve or something we obtain. Our success comes through an incredible relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that, that's the success. That's the key to everything. That's why Paul said, as he was writing some letters from prison, he said, I've learned how to have a lot and I've learned how to live a, have a little. But no matter what I have, I've learned to be content. Amen? And I've really discovered in my life, ladies and gentlemen, because I could strive to achieve something and then I finally achieve it and that feeling of success lasts a month. Are you with me? I could work really hard for something and obtain something and I got it and guess what? I have it for a little while and it gets old and now I want something else. But I'm telling you right now, if you settle this in your heart, that success is not about obtaining and achieving but it's about being a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ. Life gets really good, amen? Amen. I believe that the key to everything in life is having an ongoing, life-transforming relationship with Jesus. An ongoing, life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. I really believe that. I believe that in my heart. And so when we talk about the key to everything, we've been talking, we started out last week, and we understand that the key, at least from, from where we're talking about, that the key to everything is really that relationship. And so what does the key look like? I believe the key, if you could see a key, it has, has like two notches in it. One is, 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 is divine sovereignty. And the other is human responsibility. The, the, to have this ongoing, life-transforming relationship, now we need to rely solely and wholly on the grace of Jesus Christ, but then we need to make application to that grace through human responsibility. It's the difference between what God does and the difference between what 
what we do. Divine sovereignty, that which God does. Human responsibility, therefore, is our response to which God does. Grace, that's divine sovereignty. It's, it's the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. And then there is faith. And, and really faith, what is faith? It's our obedient response to that grace. Amen? And so I really believe as we tap in over the next several weeks and taking this thought all the way through the end of January, I really believe with all my heart that if you could get grounded and rooted in, a, in this ongoing life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ, you're gonna see your best days, amen? You're gonna see something powerful happen. You're gonna see something life-transforming happen. And that's why I believe you read verses like this, Isaiah 55, 6. Isaiah 55, 6, it the, the, the scripture says this, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now, when I think about that verse, that would, that would kind of then make me think that there are times that, that maybe he isn't as near, or, or maybe there's some times when it's not as easy to find him, okay? But can I tell you something? When grace is passing by you, that is the time to seek. That is the time to ask. What happens is, is God makes himself available, grace, and then we seek faith or human responsibility, and when those two connect, man, something incredible happens. Amen, good preaching, pastor. Thank you. Mark chapter five, we're gonna talk about this idea today. In Mark chapter five, we're gonna read verses 21 through 34. Uh, Mark being one of, the, one of the four Gospels of the New Testament. Uh, what is the Gospel? Literally, if you break it down, it's just simply the good news. It's, it's the story of Jesus Christ. It's the story of the life of Jesus. And, and there's four of those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark is actually one known as the synoptic Gospels. What is a synoptic Gospel? It just literally means that if you uh, line them up and put them next to each other, they're parallel with one another. That the same stories you find in Matthew, uh, you find in Mark, and you find in uh, uh, Luke. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, being these synoptic, you, you, you parallel those. And so the story we're gonna read today, for greater context, if you want to, go look for it in Matthew, go look for it in Luke, read about it, and, uh, and see what it has to say. Um, what's interesting about the book of Mark, though, is it's actually the shortest gospel. That's why it's one of my favorite to preach from. Come on, somebody. I notice if I go to the longer books of the Bible, I tend to preach a little longer. <laughs> if I go to the shorter books, it's, it's a little bit shorter. And so I like, the, I like the book of Mark. It's one of the shortest. Most uh, scholars believe it was actually the first gospel written, even though it's the shortest. And what's unique about this one within the Synoptic Gospels, it's the only one of the Synoptic Gospels that actually doesn't start at the birth of Jesus, it starts at the ministry of Jesus. Therefore, it's a little bit shorter. But the other two, they start at the birth of Jesus. So here's Mark, he literally, what he does then is he really captures what takes place in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And he does this amazing uh, comparison and, 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 and contradiction within the, the divinity of Jesus and the humanity of Jesus. And he pulls them together in such a powerful way. And so we're gonna read Mark chapter five, verses 21 through 34. Jesus now has been doing ministry publicly for some time. He has his disciples with him. Uh, they're traveling, they're ministering. Uh, the miracles have taken place. And now here's the cool thing, word about Jesus and word about his miracles and, and what he's doing is getting out. And even those that aren't yet followers of Jesus, they are beginning to hear about it. And something is beginning to happen in their region. Mark chapter five, verse 21, and it reads, 
When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. Why was the large crowd there? I just mentioned it's because word's getting out about how amazing Jesus is and what's taking place. And so now they come running to him. While he was by the sea, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and kept begging him, my little daughter is at death's door. Come lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and the large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now, this story, if we stop there and jump to the conclusion of the story, would be good all in and of itself, all right? But tucked within this story, here's another story. Jesus went with him. The crowd was against him. The Bible actually says pressing against him, meaning they were touching him. And a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. Come on, that, that good story just got even better, right? I mean, Jesus is going to touch, and if you read the other, other gospel accounts of this, Jesus is going, and the girl is 12 years old. This 12-year-old girl is lying at death's door about ready to die. She lived 12 amazing years, and now something has happened, and she's, she's about to die. And on the way to touch this 12-year-old girl, Jesus meets another woman who has not been living a fulfilling life for 12 years, stops everything, and begins to touch her. Are you with me? At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you. In other words, people are bumping you and you say, who touched me? So he was looking around to see who had done this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Listen to it now. I love it. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. Notice now, your obedient response to my grace has set you free. Be healed of your affliction and go in peace. Your decision to reach out and touch grace that was passing by has brought this healing to you. Are you with me this morning? And if you want a title, just, just write this down. Just write this idea down of grace withdraw. Grace withdraw. I'm withdrawing something. Grace withdraw. Grace is passing by. Grace personified. Jesus on the path. I need something. And because I need something in faith, in my obedient response, in my, my human response, in, in my, my human action, I touch grace. And now the healing comes. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would speak to us, that God, you would encourage us, that uh, Lord, you would challenge us. And Lord, that we'd walk out of here having a greater perspective of your grace, having a greater perspective of the love that you have for us, but also knowing that your grace demands a response. 
hallowed to you. So Lord, I pray, God, be with us, teach us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, this last week, I had an incredible opportunity. Uh, my daughter back, my youngest daughter back in November, she turned 11, and for her 11th birthday, she had a list of things that she wanted, but at the top of that list, she put, I want to go to a Clippers game. Okay. She is a huge, now if you don't know who the Clippers are, get saved today, all right? Uh, the Clippers are, are the best team in basketball. Come on, somebody. Don't look at the record. The record doesn't matter, okay? The Los Angeles Clippers, I know some of you are like, I thought Golden State was. Golden who? Come on, it's about the Clippers, all right? Uh, and so me and my daughter, and, and, and just kind of by default, my wife and my other daughter have become Clippers fans. But me and my youngest daughter are absolute Clippers fans, and, and, and she loves the Clippers. And so we'll watch it together on TV. And uh, some of you are like, oh, you know, it's, I know some people, they have daughters like, no, I just want my boy, I want my boy. You don't need a boy. Come on, just teach your girls how to love basketball. Come on, somebody. All right? And so we'll sit there, we'll watch basketball. So she put out, I want to go to a Clippers game. And so grandma and grandpa got her tickets to the Clippers game. But she's 11, she can't go alone. So come on, dad got some tickets to the Clippers game too. Come on, somebody. And so on Wednesday, I had the opportunity to take my daughter to the Clippers game. And this is her first NBA game ever. And so she is so excited. She keeps asking, dad, when is it? Dad, when is it? And so I, I let her skip school that day. Come on, that's a good dad right there. And uh, because driving to L.A. sometimes can just be fun. And so, um, and so we said, we're going to leave early. And so we left like at 1230 in the afternoon. Game wasn't until 730. We got up to that stadium at 230. And we pulled up and she's just like, wow, you know. We got, you know, we got front row parking. And, and we walked around the stadium for five hours. I kid you not. I figured this is her first NBA game. She's going to remember this thing. And, and, so, uh, and so we walked around. We went shopping. We bought some more Clippers gear. And, and the old logo was 70% off. Come on, somebody, right? And so that's, I said, I like this logo, don't you, child? You know? And, um, and so we got, so that's a smart, you, you need to take notes on that one right there, all right? And, uh, and so, man, we, we went in. We were in that store probably three different times for like 45 minutes each. And so we're shopping. for the, the, the people were laughing at us the third time it came in. You're like, you guys are back. I'm like, what else are we going to do? You know, stadium isn't open yet. So we had uh, premier seating, which means we get to get in the game two hours early. And so, man, we were, she was standing at the door. She was the first one standing there, and she was counting down. She's like, and then they got the 535. She's like, Dad, why aren't the doors open? So we'll open at 530. Finally, the door's open at 5.35, and she goes in, gives her ticket, and she goes in, and now we walk around the stadium inside now for two hours, and, uh, and we're just checking out, and she's in awe. She's enamored by the stadium and the lights and everything, and, and so we go, and we find our seats, and, and we, we had pretty decent seats, but then we look across the, the court where the players sit, and there was a tunnel right there, and, and, and there were some people there, and I said, baby, I think those people, I think they're, they're getting autographs. You want to go down there and get some autographs? She's like, can we, Dad? I was like, no, let's go find out. And I already knew you actually can't, but it's her first NBA game. And so I take her over there, and we find, honestly, I don't know how we did it, but we followed some guy with a press badge, and, and we just followed him like we knew what we're doing. Someone once taught me, <laughs> hey, hey, it's not punishable by law, all right? It's... Someone once taught me that confidence is your ticket to anywhere. And so I just, I just had my girl. We just followed that guy. Finally turned around. He goes, oh, where are you guys going? I said, we're going over there. He goes, oh, follow me. I'll take you. I was like, yeah, you know. And so I, sure enough, I follow this guy. And we get to this one door. And he keeps walking with his press badge. And all of a sudden, the security goes, I'm sorry. Are, are you with him? And I'm like, ah, no. 
couldn't lie, that would be a sin. I said, no, we're actually not. And they said, well, you can't go beyond here. And I was like, well, what time can we? They're like, just in a few minutes. And I'm like, okay, we just want to go over and get autographs. And they're like, well, you just have to wait. And so we waited there, and then my daughter just kind of patiently waiting. And so I'm like, okay, you can go down. So we boom, we go over there, and we get in. There's really nobody over there except for the people getting autographs. And so we start to go down where they're getting autographs, and there's another guy standing there taking, you know, checking tickets. He's hey, do you have a ticket for this section? I'm like, no, we're sitting over there. And they're like, I can't let you down here. And they're like, really? I was like, do you see my daughter, how cute she is? You know, she's decked out in Clippers gear. I was like, can we just sit right there in that one row that's above the tunnel so we can see the players come out to warm up? He goes, yeah, go ahead. So we go sit down there, and we're waiting and waiting, and all of a sudden some players go, Dad. You know, we're right above them, you know. She's like, Dad, that's so cool. And I was like, I know. And she goes, Dad, what are they doing? Are those the people getting autographs? I'm like, yeah. And it says Autograph Alley right there. And she goes, why can't we go over there? And I said, well, you're actually, if you don't have a ticket for that area, you're supposed to actually pay some money, and, you know, extra money and, and whatnot. And I was like, I already paid 30 bucks for a parking child. Sorry, you know. And, uh, and I said, well, baby, let me ask you a question. I said, is the guy that asked for our ticket still sitting behind us? She goes, Dad, he's not there. I said, let's go get some autographs. And so... So I get up and I walk over there and there's a guy there, you know, that takes tickets and, and whatnot down at that area. Now he goes, hey, do you guys have one of the badges? And I was like, no, we don't. And he's like, well, do you have tickets for these seats? I said, no, we're actually sitting over there. And he goes, well, you're technically not supposed to be here. And I, I know, but it's a technicality. And I said, I said, she's like the world's biggest Clippers fan, so am I. And uh, so is it okay if we just stand here? And he said, you know what, go ahead. But if anybody comes and needs those seats, could you just move? And I'm like, absolutely. And so we did. And so we stood there and she is standing there forever. And she's like waiting and waiting and waiting. Some players are on the court. She's waiting for them to come this way. And she's looking this way into the tunnel, seeing if they're going to come out. And she's waiting. And she even went that morning. I didn't know this. She went and printed out this little, this little cardstock thing that said Los Angeles Clippers on it just so she could try to get some autographs. Oh, yeah. She brought, she brought a Sharpie and a regular pen just in case. And she put it in her little pink Clippers purse. Come on, somebody. And she's waiting, and she's waiting, and, and whatnot, and she's waiting patiently. And all of a sudden, this one guy comes by, and all the autograph people, and he's like in a nice outfit, you know, getting his, getting his autograph and something. She's like, Dad, who is that? He's not a player. And I was like, oh, baby, that's Brian McKnight. She's saying that, and he's like, Brian who? And I was like, oh, baby. <laughs> baby. You, you, baby. You, you don't know about broken hearts and dreams, and I'm going to cry one more time, right? You don't. You know, I tried to educate her there for a moment, and she's just looking at me like, Dad, I don't care about him. I want some autographs from some players. And I kid you not, we waited for an hour. And all of a sudden, she's waiting, and here comes uh, J.J. Redick. But J.J. was like this. He didn't want to give any. So he goes by, and she's like, he's like, J.J., J.J. He just, he just kind of like went straight out, and he's like, oh. But then off comes this one player. She's like, Dad, who's that? I don't know who that is. Well, he's not one of the starters, but who is he? Is he I mean, a Clippers guy? I said, well, that's Wesley Johnson. He said, well, who's Wesley Johnson? Said, well, he's a basketball player. Oh, I like Wesley Johnson, Dad. <laughs> True story. So I began to tell her a little bit about Wesley Johnson, you know, and, and whatnot. And she's like, oh, okay, um, um, what do I do? And I was like, well, stick your paper down there, girl. So she did. She took that paper and that pen, and he was the nicest guy. He came over, and he was signing autographs. He looked up at hers and reached up and just smiled on his face and signed that thing and, and gave it to her. And I got this picture where he's looking up and she's looking down, you know? Just awesome, awesome first NBA moment. It was so great. And then as we're on, on the way home, I mean, the dude played like eight minutes and had like two points. She's like, Dad, I think Wesley Johnson's my favorite player. <laughs> True story. I think Wesley Johnson's my favorite player. Dad's like, me too, baby, me too. He's, uh, he did, he's really good. I'm like, that's why he's in the NBA, you know? 
He's really good. And, and here's what I realized at that moment, ladies and gentlemen, is that she could have stood there all she wanted and watched the players come in and out and in and out. The reality was she wasn't even supposed to be in that section, but because she had a good dad that led her over to that section, she was able to get into that section. And there she was waiting and waiting and waiting, but she didn't just wait. She had prepared herself to reach down with that paper, to reach down with that pen so that superstar could connect with this girl and she could get an autograph, and now that's her favorite player. You need to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. Grace could be walking by you daily. Grace could be moving around. Look at the story. Here is the story. Here is grace personified, Jesus Christ in the flesh, walking. And the Bible even says there was a whole crowd of people surrounding him and pressing in against him. But it was only one woman who had the audacity to press beyond just moving with grace and step in and begin to touch grace and therefore because she did, she walked away healed. I think about my daughter. It would have done us no good to get to that point of standing there if she had nothing for him to sign. But because she reached out and said, would you sign mine? He stops and he signs it. And now he has a new fan in his life. Are you with me today? See, I think there's, there's too many times in, in this spiritual journey that we, that we miss some things. We miss some opportunities. We miss some moments where, man, the presence of God is so strong and his grace is being poured out. And we could even look around maybe in a moment of worship like we experienced today. And we could look around and say, well, what, what's going on with that person? Well, what's going on with that person? How come, I, how come I don't feel that? How come I don't sense? How come that's not happening in my life? Maybe, just, just maybe, just maybe there there's an intentional touch going on. Are you with me? Something powerful happens when grace and faith connect. Something powerful happened for this woman. 12 years. She's on a journey. Listen to her story. 12 years. We don't know what caused the issue. How many of you guys have some issues in your life? Yeah. Some of us, here's what we do, we spend so much time trying to chase back to the root of it. Now, sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes, you, but we chase so much time trying to, trying to maybe find a reason why these issues are in my life. And when we can't find the reason of why the issue is in my life, here's what we do. It's so much easier to point the finger this way than it is this way. We don't know why this woman has issues, but she did, and she's been on a journey She's been on a journey to get healed. And in her journey, listen to what the story says. For 12 years, she's been suffering. 12 years, she's been suffering. Look at what she did. She surrounded herself with a community of people that she thought could help her. She got doctors in her life. Because certainly the doctors can help me. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says that not only could they not help her, but she actually grew worse. Can I talk to you for a moment about the community that you surround yourself with? This woman thought, if I have the right friends, if I have the right people in my life, if I have the right community in my life, then maybe I'll get better. Can I tell you something? If all you seek out in this spiritual journey is just close friends, you're going to be highly disappointed. Matter of fact, you might even find yourself, listen to me, I love friends. 
I want friends. But you know what? I read my Bible and it says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And his name is Jesus Christ. If all your friends do is point you to relationship with the friends, those ain't good friends. If all humanity does, remember it's about divine sovereignty, what he does, and human responsibility, our response to it. If all humanity does is connect with other humanity, it's missing the point. But if we on this spiritual journey realize that, man, friends are good, I need friends, I need community, but you need that community to point you to divinity. You need that community of humanity to point you to Jesus Christ. Ours will leave you like the woman was left. It will leave you hopeless. It'll leave you alone. It'll leave you destitute. No, listen, as long as she had something to offer to the community, money, they were there for her. But as soon as her funds dried up, they were gone. And too often times in life, we'll surround ourselves with friends because it makes us feel better. But the minute you no longer have anything to offer, all of a sudden, where are they? Man, if, you're, if your friendships are unto something greater than friendships, if they are unto Jesus. Man, I'm not saying you can't have friends. I have a basketball group that I love to play with, and I've just been praying for them that they would discover Jesus Christ because majority of them don't. What I'm saying is if all you have around you is a community of people that aren't pointing you to grace. Are you with me this morning? So that's what I love about our small groups. Our small groups have one purpose. Our small groups, the the only purpose of our small groups, yes, through relationship, yes, through, you know, getting together in community, we have one purpose, and that is to move you one step closer to Jesus Christ. If all our small groups were about community and that's it, we'd be missing the point. And that's why I encourage you even today, man, check out a small group. What's about, Pastor, I don't know, I'm struggling in my marriage today. Yeah, you need the key to everything, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that key to everything, that relationship with Jesus Christ, man, will help move you one step closer to it. That's what I love about our small groups. What I love about the, 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 the very reason of why Canvas is here. Canvas Church does not exist to be the coolest church, the largest church, the most popular church. We exist to help people discover Jesus Christ. And as they discover Jesus Christ, man, they realize this God-given purpose that's inside of them. And then by God's grace, hopefully we provide opportunities for you to walk in that. It's not just about a relationship. It's not just about having the right community around you. It's about having a community that points you to Jesus Christ. Amen. Good preaching, pastor. Because listen to me, if all you have, and I'll say this too, man, if the only connection you have at a church is just a few friends, when those few friends leave, where does that leave you? Man, have friends, build community unto Jesus, but then also make sure and that the power of grace of God is flowing in your church. Amen, amen. This woman, she decides to push beyond, and she decides to go into a place that she wasn't even supposed to be. Now listen to the story. The Bible very clearly tells us that she has an issue, but then identifies what the issue is. It's an issue of blood, okay? If you study this out, basically, she's been having her monthly cycle for 12 years nonstop. Levitical law would tell us in Leviticus 15, 25 through 27, 
Levitical law would tell us that she was not allowed to be in public because she was deemed unclean. Because therefore anything she would touch would therefore become unclean. So the first obstacle she had to overcome, ladies and gentlemen, was the fact that she wasn't even supposed to be in public in the first place. But when you're desperate enough, you do some crazy things. She said, I'm tired of dealing with this. I don't know if there's some people. I feel like there's some people in here that you're tired of dealing with some stuff in your life. Whether it's some physical ailments, whether it's some financial restraints, whether whatever it is, you're tired of dealing with some stuff in your life. I want to encourage you today, ladies and gentlemen, because listen to me now. There is a whole crowd of people walking with grace. There is a whole crowd. And I really believe in our church culture today that there has been a great movement of grace, but within that great movement of grace, there's been a misunderstanding of grace. And it's just, well, it's all on Jesus. Yes, it's all on Jesus and the fact that he paved the way on the cross. But last time I checked, he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. He says, hey, whoever would open the door and allow me in, I will come in. Are you with me? There is a whole entourage of people bumping up against Jesus, touching Jesus, so much so that when Jesus says, who touched me, the disciples were like, what are you talking about? What do you mean, who touched you? And what he meant was, someone touched me in faith. Someone touched me with intentionality. Someone touched me with the expectation that they were going to withdraw something. She wasn't supposed to be there, much like me and my daughter weren't supposed to be in Autograph Alley. But we found our way there, but it wasn't just enough to be a part of the entourage and see, no, 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 my daughter wanted something more. This woman wanted something more. So she pressed through, she reached out, and she laid hold of Jesus. And in this one moment, the Bible says that her issue stopped. Her issue stopped. Some of you with issues in your life, I'm telling you, one moment, one moment in the grace of God, your issue can stop. One moment. Well, pastor, I mean, I mean, don't, don't you think that, you know, that they probably need some counseling and don't you think they probably need some wisdom? And yes, I'll absolutely, I believe all of that. But one moment can make the issue. Well, I've been coming to church, pastor. I'm not feeling anything. I mean, I, I was standing in the midst of worship. Did you worship? Well, I was here. Well, but did you worship? Well, I was here, Pastor. I was here when you prayed. Well, did you pray? Why? Well, I was here. Yeah. There was a whole crowd of people there. There was a whole crowd of people bumping up against grace. But only one received a supernatural breakthrough. I love this story because the woman wasn't supposed to be there. She's deemed unclean. She could actually be taken and, and put away for what she's doing. But she reaches through the entourage of people and her uncleanliness touches Jesus and there is a great exchange. And it's in this moment that we have a symbol of the cross that would happen in the future. 
Because it is at the cross of Jesus Christ where my uncleanness, my, my sin, my, my iniquity, it's in that moment at the cross where I make this exchange and I say, I'm exchanging my sin and my unrighteousness and my unworthiness. I'm exchanging it all at the cross for your cleanliness. This woman finds herself there and says, I, I, I need something. I need something in my life. Well, what, what about you? What about you? What about you? There were about six or seven people in Autograph Alley. Thousands of people filled that stadium. But there was one 11-year-old that said, I'm getting me an autograph tonight. There were hundreds of people surrounding Jesus, walking with grace, not knowing the power that was within grace. But there was one woman who had an issue for 12 years that said, I'm getting my healing today. And Jesus looks the woman, she comes and says, daughter, listen to what he says. He doesn't say, daughter, my grace healed you. He says, daughter, your faith, your obedient response to the grace that was passing by you, your faith has made you well. Be free from your, if, what, what, what about me, pastor? I got some issues, me too. I got issues. But there's one thing I've learned. I've learned that when I have issues, grace is available. And I can just take my issue to grace. I can step out in faith, my obedient response, my human responsibility can connect with his divine sovereignty. And in that moment, I can find healing, I can find hope, I can find restoration, I can find salvation, I can find deliverance, I can find provision. When I choose to say grace is right there and I'm not gonna allow grace to pass by without me touching it. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.